This is Chat Dragon, a talk show and actual play podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, and the world's most beloved game of make-believe, Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Jared, and I'm your host. I am a newspaper reporter by day and a dungeon master by night. I decided to start this podcast for purely selfish reasons, and that is to have a reason to talk to interesting people about interesting topics all through the lens of D&D. Each episode, I talk to friends, family members, and tabletop role-playing creatives about this beloved hobby. The conversations are driven by dice, and the games driven by our imaginations. Uh, hey everyone, this is Jared from the Chat Dragon Podcast. Uh, I'm back again with Jordan, the PH is silent. Uh, Jordan and I just wrapped up our um, game of the sidekick. Jordan, um, how are you doing this evening, and uh, how do you think it went? Uh, I'm doing very well this evening, and uh i i think it went good i it's interesting with the established story uh and then like continuing with a different character and i've been guests on podcasts before and i always have that feeling of like i don't know what's going on but uh despite that this was a nice uh introduction i guess because it was like here you're presented with this problem as opposed to needing to know like you know, 15 episodes worth of backstory in order to play. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just for the listener, too, we had more so I had some technical difficulties because I did have like a recap I was going to play for you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I haven't recorded in two weeks. And then I was on vacation and then it was Labor Day and all that stuff. And uh, I didn't know that the bot I used was discontinued because I had like a YouTube video that I just like a private video I made that I was going to just run it. So that way, you would know. But um, have you ever had to play somebody else? Not like have you ever had to play somebody else's character before or um, a character that wasn't I guess, shared or maybe was shared by somebody? With somebody no, before? I like the idea of it, though. It's kind of interesting to have this. um yeah, just like this is the the everyman character that when your friend comes to visit, it's like, oh yeah, you get to play this guy, and you like throw it to them, and and then the the like if you did this on a larger scale, like let's say I have four players, and then you have this fifth character that kind of like pals around with them, but is only playable when somebody visits, and it's like, oh yeah, like my my kid's cousin is over, so let's go do this or something. Uh, and then they'll play that character. I like that idea a lot. I think that's really cool. But no, I've never I've never played another person's character and even when I'm a DM, I if if someone's not there, we kind of just pretend that that character like faded into the ether and we just play without them and have a good time. So <laughs> Yeah. So how how long have you been uh playing D&D for or RPGs, TTRPGs in general? Uh, well, let's see. I started 2012, 2013, I think. So relatively later than a lot of other people. Because uh, usually everyone's like, yeah, I was playing when I was like two. And I'm like, yeah, it's not me. So I was definitely like a grown adult. But uh, it was the tail end of uh, fourth edition. And I really like the Penny Arcade people. And I was watching some of their stuff. And kind of was like, I think I want to play D&D. And so um, we played, I played a couple of games of second edition, AD&D second edition. 
and then when that didn't that kind of fizzled out i bought a bunch of fourth edition books and played fourth edition D&D. so and then fifth edition came out like a year later and we all started playing fifth edition <laughs> did you have a group like an step like did you have a group that of people that you could join or did you have to kind of like go searching for those people um i i was in a i was in a play and one of the other actors in the play uh we were talking about D for some reason and i think it's because i was listening to the, those podcasts and he was like oh you would love D and i i grew up playing like the neverwinter nights video games and the Baldur's gate uh, PC games and stuff. So I kind of knew like about D&D, but I'd never actually played at the table. And he organized a whole group for me uh, to like show me D&D. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll play. And so then a lot of the people in the cast were just like, oh, I've always wanted to try D&D. Like, oh, I want to play. I want to play. And so we had this huge table and he got his friend to run the game. Uh, and that was the AD&D game. And it was a lot of fun, but we... I didn't really know what was going on because I was used to like my fourth edition podcasts and this was like Thacko and it was kind of reversed and backwards. Uh, but from a collective storytelling aspect, I really fell in love with RPGs through playing that. And I was like, this is so cool. Um, when the group fell apart because people were moving, uh, they, people just, they got new jobs. They had to move away kind of a thing. Uh, that's when I realized that if I wanted to keep playing, I would have to be the dungeon master. So I found uh, some of the people we were playing with. I grabbed some of them and then some other friends and made a group that way. And that group we played for a very long time. I want to say like four or five years. And uh, really the pandemic hit. And that's kind of when we stopped playing in person and we tried a couple games on the uh over the web but they didn't like that as much as playing in person um and i'm still friends with these people but we just kind of i think one of them started their own game and then another one uh didn't really care about playing DD anymore and then yeah so and then i started running games on the internet because of the pandemic and that's where we're at now so yeah but I, I had to go out and find those people, I guess, to answer your question in a very long-winded way. <laughs> oh, that's fine. So you say you run games on the internet. Are you running, like, games for strangers then? Or are you these people you just know elsewhere that aren't maybe local, but are people you already yeah, know? Yeah, so I made a lot of friends when I went to Gen Con, uh, the, the two years I went to Gen Con. And... Since then, they were like, hey, we should play D&D. And since then, uh, I organized them in a, in a game. So uh, I ran the old module uh, Rod of Seven Parts, um, but I updated it for 5th edition and ran it in the Forgotten Realms. And so uh, that's the online game that I was running uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and that has since completed, and I haven't actually uh, ran anything since then until I'm about to start this Dungeon Crawl Classics game up. So, Cool. Um, so I originally found your YouTube channel um, because I was 
interested in i was well my group that were i think we're on pause but i guess you never know because it's yeah. sort of like <laughs> but we were playing um uh curse of strad and Ra the the raven laugh book was coming out and you're releasing all these videos about the different domains of dread mm -hmm. um and so that's when i kind of found your your channel because you do all these breakdowns about i guess D, &D lore um so how did you get in i guess how long have you been making videos for and what got you what got you interested in the lore of D, &D uh specifically so yeah so originally the channel was called forgotten realms explained and i was just trying to understand the forgotten realms because it's a very complex long history mess of a campaign setting and uh, I, I think going forward, this is a tangent, but I think going forward, Wizards of the Coast is trying to make it more accessible, but still have that lore kind of hidden in the background for those who are interested in it, uh, which I think is a good idea because it was very overwhelming. I was like, oh, I'll run this like Forgotten Realms game. And then as I was like reading it, I'm like, I don't know who these gods are. I don't know who this is like. What? And and then I would go online and you'd find like dozens of PDFs that have all kinds of information from earlier editions. And then uh, I was like, well, I haven't read the novels. Do I need to read the novels? And so I realized that if I have this problem as a dungeon master, then other people must have this problem too. And so that's why I started the channel is I was like, I kind of wanted to have a place where people could uh, if they, they wanted to Google, like, what happened to El Terrell before uh, Descent into Avernus, then they could figure that out. And then, you know, or, like, why, what hap what's the story behind Zeriel? And really just a way to help Dungeon Masters and to get them kind of uh, inspired to run D&D. Because &D. the more lore I would read and consume, the more ideas I would have for whole campaigns. And I, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to play this entire campaign in my head that I'm coming up with. But like, it's a really cool idea, kind of a kind of a story. So the channel is four years old. Um, I started in 20, well, almost five years now. I started in 2017. And it was just to kind of wrap my own head around Forgotten Realms lore. Because the assumption that I had for myself is that I had to... And know enough about it in order to run a Forgotten Realms game uh, or come up with everything on my own. And that seemed even more intimidating than just reading a bunch. So I ended up reading a whole bunch and doing that. Uh, I've always been interested in mythology. Um, growing up, I read a lot of like Greek and Norse myths and stuff and Egyptian myths. Uh, so this felt like the next logical step, I guess. Uh, from like childhood times of reading all of these like Greek mythology stories and what have you. And then going forward, it's like, oh, there's all this like pretend lore. And, uh, and I like, you know, Tolkien, this is kind of the same way. Like I like reading about all of the, the Silmarillion stories and stuff and get like, getting like a bigger picture on the world uh, where this little story is taking place, but there's like a huge world behind it. And I think that's a huge part of being a dungeon master and just kind of, uh, role-playing games in general is usually the DM has way more backstory in their head than the players either need or ever receive kind of a thing. So 
Gotcha. What's your like research process like? Are you? I mean, I, I mean, has it? I'm guessing it's evolved since you started the channel. Are you reading novels? Are you reading? You know these P all these PDFs, or are you buying old reprints or the old books and reading through those of the campaign settings? Yeah, um, uh, I am. So I, in order to make everything accessible, I wanted to put references to where I got my information. So if it's if somebody is like, oh, that I, that's intriguing, I want to like go get it, um, they could go and buy it. So I started linking. Uh, Drive through RPG has like most of between that and the DMs Guild, which is the same company. Uh, they have most of the old PDFs for sale, uh, and they're not terribly expensive. So if you're interested in a subject, you can go buy a PDF and read it. So it's a lot of PDF reading. Um, I didn't necessarily want to cover novels because that's like a whole different genre, uh, or not genre, but like. It's a whole different medium, and there are people out there that want to read the books and want to be surprised by the books and want to enjoy those stories, and I don't necessarily want to be the guy that's like, let me spoil this book for you so that you don't have to read it. Uh, and also, those stories don't matter to your game. Like, whatever, um, whatever's happening in Chult with uh, the Ring of Winter and blah blah blah, like, that doesn't matter to your game because those aren't your characters. And I, I'm a big advocate that, like, you're the heroes in the realms. And maybe uh, maybe you do meet, like, Drist, but, like, you're not meeting uh, Drist from the novels who has saved the world ten times over. You're just kind of like, <laughs> oh, you're that drow I've heard about or something. Uh, so everything that I do for the most part is there's probably, like, some problem. Like, somebody will call me out. And they'll be like, actually, in episode 320, you did this. Um, but for the most part, I, I try to just stick with uh, campaign setting material or adventures. So if there was a novel and an adventure tie-in, that's where I would also kind of cover the novel. But for the most part, it's just like, because of this adventure, we've established that this happens. And because of this, this happens. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And then as like Ravenloft and stuff came out, I started... Uh, getting excited about all the domains of dread. And then I was like buying old PDFs for that and reading through them and like, Oh, this would make an interesting book or an interesting video. And at this point I have a really long list of people who have asked questions or just through my reading, I'm like, Oh, that would make an interesting video. And I'll write down a page number. Um, and nowadays I just go to that list and kind of look at it and I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to do that one. So it's, I don't think I'll ever run out because there's just so much to cover if I want to. Whether that's a video that someone wants to watch, that's another story. But like, there's lots of stuff to cover if I want to. <laughs> I guess I want to circle back to Ravenloft eventually, but I'm kind of wondering, like, what is like, how long does a video take from like research to completion? Are you churning these out every week, or are you banking? Like, how? I guess are you. Because it seems like reading all those PDFs would take a long time. Like I, I read a lot, but I, I can't get through a campaign setting in a week, probably. So yeah, um, and uh, take well, no take notes or whatever. So a lot of times you're just reading, um, like 
uh, well, so recently I've been doing videos on the Demon Lords of the Abyss, and researching that, it's like I'm reading the five pages of this Demon Lord from this book and the four pages of the Demon Lord from this other book, and I kind of know where to go thanks to the internet, but also uh, I've read those in the past, and I kind of have, like, little tab marks, so I know, like, oh yeah, like that, the Hordes of the Abyss uh, 1, or what is it called? I forget the name of the PDF, but it's it's got all of these different things about um, demons and what have you for 3rd edition. And so I know that I, I only really have to recover, reread maybe like 4 or 5 pages before I can like start forming my video. Uh, but to answer your question, it's about a week. Um, and it's not like an everyday process, but it's a little like I have an hour here or I have 30 minutes here and I'll read a little and I'll write a little. And then eventually I'll hammer out an actual script and I'll read it out loud a few times to make sure that I think it sounds good and, and I'm getting the points across that I want. Uh, and then filming it and well, yeah, filming it and then editing it take about uh, a day or two as well, depending on how. Uh, complex I want to make stuff so <laughs> gotcha. I imagine if you're working from home you probably like for this podcast I'm you know I take a break 10 minute break or something and then I'm just chopping up you know audio and I imagine yeah. that's kind of you just using those sometimes yeah my my lunch break especially I'll go I'll just like switch computers and then start finishing editing and things like that. Like that's what I did today as I was editing a video on my lunch break. So. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, talking about Ravenloft, was there, uh, any domains of dread that didn't make it into the newest book that you were looking forward to seeing that didn't get there? Good question. And there were, but I'm trying, I can't remember specifically cause it's just been a while. Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> now I want to go. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have a good answer for that. I need to like really think about it because I haven't touched Ravenloft in a long time. And then when the Van Richten's guide came out, I was going to do a comparison of the two because they changed a lot of things. But I, I really like, uh, the, the Frankenstein monster one and they kept that. And I really like Dementaloo, and they kept that. Um, so I think all the ones that I really enjoyed researching, they kept. I want to say that there was one that they just straight up got rid of, but they like merged it into another domain of dread uh, to kind of like these don't really need to be two separate things, and they kind of just put them into put them in together. Uh, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Sorry. Gotcha. What's been like? Uh, is there like a setting that? you've really come to like from it doing your research but there's yet to be a book to come out that i guess like you know like star jammers hasn't come out or is that what it's called i'm sorry or, Belljammer, yeah um, Belljammer, i'm sorry i'm thinking of the x-men i think star jammers is an x-men <laughs> thing uh but like spell jammers or like some of these uh these other campaigns that maybe you've done videos for are there any that you are looking forward to coming out that haven't yet or yeah so the the fun thing though is the more I research these, the more I realize that it's very easy to um, 
update it for fifth edition. Like if you want to play with the fifth edition rule set, uh, then do. And I would love a Spelljammer book for fifth edition. Like I think that would be a lot of fun because I like the world and I like the lore and I think uh, universe hopping is really interesting. Uh, that being said, after I did a whole video series on Spelljammer, like when I finished, I was like, you know, this is this is really doable because a lot of the monsters that you need, uh, mind flares and other stuff, like you have those. And then you start thinking like, well, I need ship mechanics. Well, they had those in Ghosts of Saltmarsh and they have ship mechanics in this. And you can kind of just adapt them for being in space. Like you don't really need that. Uh, and then after I made that series, I got invited to a Discord where people are actively playing 5th edition, um, uh, edition Spelljammer. And they are they they got together and formed this Discord as a resource for other people who want to run fifth edition Spelljammer. So it's really easy. Uh, and so I would encourage you to do that. Like we don't necessarily need to wait for Wizards of the Coast to make um, this campaign setting. Uh, that being said, I really I really truly do love Spelljammer. Not to like talk it up to death, but I think it's a lot of fun. And I like uh, the harshness of Dark Sun and the history of Dark Sun. And I've been reading a lot of Dark Sun lately, and I think that would be fun. Uh, but also, just an expansion on the Planescape setting would be kind of fun, too. To have, like, solidified mechanics about uh, Mechanus or Hades or the, the Nine Hells and things like that. So we really understand, like, well, what does it mean to be there? Like, I know what it meant to be there in 2nd Edition, but, like, if, you know, if I'm a lawful character in a chaotic plane, what does that do to me? And it would be interesting to have mechanics for that. So, gotcha. Um, and then we, I think, talked off air a little bit about DCC, or maybe it was on air. But um, your oh no, it was your one channel. You that's kind of gets recommended to me. Um, is a like a you do other OSR sort of stuff. So I was kind of wondering, um, is D and D still your preferred rule system, or do you prefer or do you kind of find yourself gravitating towards DCC or something else at this moment? Uh, I think the... So the more I played D&D, I was like, man, this is the perfect system. Like, why would you want to play anything else? Uh, but then when I started trying other RPGs, I just fell in love with them, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a... For no particular reason, and I don't love one more than the other, but the art of Dungeon Crawl Classics and, like, it really fit my comedy style of uh, odd things can happen in Dungeon Call Classics, and it's all because of like random chance, because they have a lot of tables. Like, if you crit, you roll this table. If you crit fail, you roll this table. If your spell goes wrong, you roll on this table. And it can do really interesting things where now your character is permanently missing an arm, or now your character is uh, has tentacles for legs. And that's something that D that D&D 5th Edition won't do, because a lot of players don't like that their characters can be um, forever changed in that way. They want to be forever changed for the better. They don't necessarily want to, like, oh, you were, you were burned with acid or something, and now your charisma is down five points. They would be like, well, I don't like that at all. And that's not part of the 5th Edition design set, because... Uh, through playtesting, I mean, Wizards of the Coast realized that people want to feel like heroes. So 
there's different systems for different styles of play. And I feel that Dungeon Crawl Classics really affects, uh, or really tells to my style of play. Like, I think that's fun. And it's not necessarily for everybody. Uh, that being said, there's certain systems that I would love to use to tell a certain story. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. There is a OSR, it's a system-neutral uh campaign setting called Hot Springs Island that I ran using 5th edition back in the day. And because of the way 5th edition is set up, uh, my players had a lot of fun and I learned a lot playing Hot Springs Island, but it didn't have the, the like, I don't know, scary connection of being lost in a jungle that I wanted it to have. And now I'm going to rerun it with Dungeon Crawl Classics and I'm going to see, like, how is this different? How is this better? Literally the same setting, but just a different rule set. Will my experience be that much different or will it be the same? Uh, not going to jump off of fifth edition anytime soon. Like I really like Dungeons and Dragons as a whole. And it's so, uh, it's so influential for every other RPG that has come out. Uh, and I don't know. I think it's just the right story. Because I, I want to run an all-drow game set in the Underdark. And if I do that, I definitely want to use uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I don't think I would want to try and make some weird OSR system, w- make it kind of work in its own way. But I, I like the idea of, uh, of yeah, if, if my if my play- party needs to be heroes, then yeah, let them be heroes. And I'm I'm playing in a fifth edition game right now, and I've ran many fifth edition games, so it's not like I think a lot of people want me to say that DCC is better, but I don't necessarily think that. I think it's just a different game. So <laughs> it's it's a game I definitely want to try to play, and I'm I'm kind of wondering though, since I'm kind of like this forever DM at this point, um, how do you successfully run a DCC game? There's so many tables and stuff to keep track of do you just have a bookmark every little thing bookmarked or you running it off a pdf like what's your how do you suggest running a game yeah i uh i would so for players i would make um pre-generated characters and uh if you go to purple sorcerers grimoire they uh partnered with goodman games and you can make your own um, characters there, so you can generate a character with all the spells, with all the stats, with everything else, and then print out those character sheets. So you're literally all your player needs is that, and it has all of the information in it for them. Um, so that's a good way to start from players. As far as a, uh, a, a being a judge or a dungeon master for DCC. Uh, there are a lot of tables. You kind of become familiar with it the more you play. But I think any new RPG you're going to stumble the first, like, four to five sessions. Because you're going to be like, wait, what is that rule? How do we do this? Um, but don't sweat it. Like, if you can play D&D, you can definitely play DCC. Like, you roll a D20, you see if you hit, you do damage. Uh, and it's less out there than it is from... Uh, or I should say, it, it's very adjacent to Dungeons & Dragons as opposed to other games that I've played, like uh, Kids on Bikes or... Invisible Sun or Numenera and things like that, where you're like, oh, this is just a, this is really different, you know? Um, so I also, I think of the first couple of games that I played, I printed off a lot of those pages. So like the critical hit pages and stuff, I just, you have the PDF. So I printed off a couple of those pages 
And then I would just keep them in a binder. So I'm like, oh, I know that I just have to open that binder and flip to like page three. And that's my critical hit table. So. Gotcha. Um, so I guess the next part of the show is I like to kind of have um, my guests kind of answer some random questions. So they're just kind of. So they're, it's random for me. It's random for you. Um, do you have your D20 ready? I do. Yeah. So if I could have you roll a D20, um, I have a dice table in front of me, and I'll tell me what the question's going to be. I rolled a two. All right. So two, what is the last thing you looked up on the internet? Uh, the last thing? I think Kickstarters. Uh, I've got a lot of that I've backed lately because uh, it seems everybody's making Kickstarters right now for tabletop RPGs. So I was uh, checking that right before I came in to do this podcast because <laughs> I think I got a notification that one of them like finished uh, funding. And so I was like, oh, what's uh, are there any that have you intrigued or excited or? Yeah. Um, so Exalted Funeral, they make a lot of OSR stuff, the old school renaissance, which is like rehacking D&D to make it more fun. Uh, and they are publishing a system neutral book on fantasy plants so it's like an herbologist book and i'm a big fan of books like that because they can be in game like magic items that you can then hand your players a physical book and they can take that book and be like oh cool and so that book will have uh, a bunch of illustrations of of plants both real and fantasy and then what you can do with those plants so if you harvest x y and z you could make a poison or you could make a cure or you could do uh, other things. And so it's kind of like a way for certain classes to add alchemist on top of it. But you have those players that get really excited about having like that book. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, and they'll flip through it and be like, yeah, yeah. So if we can just find this, then I can complete my potion. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly if it'll work like that. It's a Kickstarter, but they're kind of, they're advertising it like that. And it looks really cool. Are you aware of any other, I guess, like prop like RPG prop books or artifacts that you can give to players. Like, doesn't Hot Spring Island have? Yeah, something you can. Okay. Yeah, Hot Hot Springs Island has. Um, it, it came. It's two books, and one of them is The Dark of Hot Springs Island, and that is the uh, book for the ju- dungeon master. But uh, there's also a field guide to Hot Spring Island, which is an in-game book that they can find. And so when your players find this in-game book, you can hand them the real book, which is really cool. Um, There was, uh, I wish I could remember his name, but there was a gentleman who does a lot of custom art, and he sent me some in-game spell books. So when your players find a wizard spell book at the table, uh, you can hand them this real spell book. And it'll have all of these cool illustrations for various spells. Uh, and I thought that was kind of fun uh, to show them. Like, here's a book that has all these conjuration spells, or here's this. And so you'll get a book that has, like, 20 spells in it or something. Um, that same guy did a, a demonomicon kind of book that had all this information on various demons. And so for 5th edition, your players could be like, oh, yeah, that demon has this much hit points. Like, I know because of this. And maybe you as a dungeon master don't necessarily want your players to know that, but I think they'll think that's really cool, you know, when they when they have that book to reference during a fight. So 
So when you're DMing, do you, uh, do you, I mean, do you make props ever and hand them out to people or give to people or, um, like what's your, does your style rely on a lot of physical things or is it all kind of typically work like, um, theater of the mind sort of, um... uh, for D and D I like to have, uh, props at the table. Um, I'm not really good at making them. Uh, I've made scrolls and things like that, uh, and I actually got a pen that writes in ink that will disappear if you hold a flame up to it. Uh, So little things like that, like I've done puzzles and stuff like that, but I I genuinely like to give my players physical things. Uh, It's kind of expensive, though, to like buy a bunch of stuff that you're going to use literally once, because then they'll know the trick and you don't get to use it on that group of players anymore. Um, but I'll occasionally buy puzzle boxes, and then if my players can actually crack the puzzle box, then they uh, get the the piece of information on the inside, and I think that's fun. Uh, I tried to use coins for a while, and I was like, yeah, you guys will have, like, real coins representing your money, but, like, when you have a thousand gold pieces, it's just dumb to do that, so I stopped doing that pretty quick. <laughs> gotcha. All right, can I have you roll again? Yeah! Uh, that's a seven. Seven is what battle in a campaign has been most memorable uh, to your character? So, I don't know. Do you have you played a character recently or lately, or do you? Or maybe this question's not relevant to you. I don't know. Uh, no, no. I have a I have a tiefling wizard named Joshe that I played for. Uh, a, a, I played for a campaign, and I was talking with the dm during character creation that i really wanted to be like a follower of tiamat um and i'm not overtly evil but like i'm definitely uh greedy and selfish and so the character was very like if if it's gonna benefit him the most he's gonna do it uh and we got to the final battle and we took out the big bad guy uh, and then I was up there kind of like studying his ancient sigils and what have you. And then uh, I realized that they were doing a ritual that was like in a communion with Tiamat. And so I uh, asked my DM, I'm like, okay, like I, if I know this is Tiamat, uh, I would like to finish this and actually talk to Tiamat and commune with her. And uh, he allowed me to do that. And then I offered up some like insane magical item as like a a sacrifice to her. And she bestowed me power and I ended up disappearing. And uh, that's how we ended the campaign. So they were just (laughs) like, you were a traitor the whole time. And the idea is is that Jordan has lost that character, which is fine. But if we ever return to that campaign, uh, Josh is going to be the villain. And I gotcha. thought that that's a really cool way to end it. Like, if those characters ever come back, it's like, oh, yeah, Josh A. the Wizard, he palled around with you. And now he's, like, that jerk that <laughs> is, like, bringing Tiamat into the world or something. So, Cool. All right. Can I have you roll again? Uh, that was a two again. Natural 20. Okay. Uh, what weird thing do you have nostalgia for? doesn't have to be... D&D, it could be anything. Like, my cousin, he collects retro electronics, things that nobody uses oh, anymore. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, I think uh, 
Well, now that you said electronics, I definitely think of um, Linux and hacking. Like, like ni- early '90s, Jordan was was like wanting to uh, dial into computers, and I just thought that whole like computer hacking thing was so cool. Um, and I never did it. I never really understood how, or and it probably wasn't like as cool as I thought it was. And I just watched sneakers too much with the movie hackers or something. Uh, but to this day, I still like to run Linux and play around with it. Um, and I have, uh, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's like kind of my nostalgia. Like I, I like that and I still play around with Linux to this day because it gives me that nostalgia feeling. So <laughs> gotcha. Did, were you ever like, did you ever read like William Gibson, like Neuromancer and yeah. all that sort yeah. of stuff? Snow Crash and all stuff like that. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, so do you do you do like any sort of programming or like? Yeah, I went to college for programming, but after one year, I just was like, I don't think this is for me. Like, I just didn't really. And maybe it was like my professors, or it wasn't the right thing. But I, I definitely went a more creative approach in college instead of uh, like a coding kind of one. Uh, I dabble in code now and then. Um, I'm I'm trying to teach myself Python when I have free time, which is never. Uh, but um, I I think it's cool. Like I like what you can do with coding and things like that. But uh, as as far as like Linux, there's a lot of things. Like I enjoy that it's open source and the idea that um, not that it's free, but that you have a whole community that wants to make it better, and they want to mm-hmm. make it better because they just like it as opposed to, I want to make this better to turn a profit. Um, and I think that's just really cool. And so I've always been interested in this idea that we're like constantly trying to make this product better uh, for no reason other than making it really like better. And then when, so- when somebody makes it worse, they all get upset with that person. Like, why would you do that? We're not going to, we pull that out and we're going to make it better. And so, yeah. That's, that's cool. I read an article a while ago um... I think it was kind of like explaining like i think people hear the word linux and they have no idea what it's used for because you know most people have like a windows or a mac computer and it was kind of talking about how you know linux is used in the background of all these things like your tesla if you have a tesla if you can afford one it's like all the the electronics and stuff all run on linux like and boeing planes and stuff like all yeah like so many so many things all those cloud servers run linux yeah so it's sort of like the preferred operating system for all that stuff. Um, so did you ever get into like the like cyberpunk RPG at all since you're? Yeah, uh, it's funny, though. I never I don't know. Like, I think we were going to try a cyberpunk 2020 game because um, I have a lot of the RP or the PDFs and make it kind of matrixy. But we never. Yeah, I never really got into that. Um, I love those books and stuff. And uh, my co-host for the Saturday Morning D&D Show podcast, he really loves cyberpunk. And so he was thinking of running a cyberpunk like one shot or something for us, but it never happened. So I don't know. But for the most part, I I, I don't know. I really like uh, fantasy. And the, uh, I, I've read a little bit of like Starfinder and stuff, but it doesn't have the same draw for me as a pure fantasy game. Uh, like at the end of the day, I just really like being a wizard. I think that's fun. So. Gotcha. I was listening to, or watching your Saturday morning show. And I think 
co-host said he was in Michigan. I don't know if he's... I'm from Michigan. That's where I'm recording from. Um, but how did you... And you're on Mountain Time. I don't know what state you're in, but how did you, I guess, guys find each other if you yeah. guys aren't in the same state? Yeah, uh, Lucian is in Michigan, and he... Uh, I don't. You know, I was just an early YouTuber, and he found my my YouTube and thought it was a cool thing, and it really is all him. Like he he emailed me and was like, "Hey, I want to talk to you about doing stuff," and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then we kind of lost contact for a while, and then he messaged me again, and he's like, "Do you, do you want to like do anything?" And I'm like, "Well, maybe." Like, what do you have in mind? And he's like, "Oh, I kind of want to do like a podcast or something." And uh, but like, I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about him other than he showed interest and wanted to to do a show. So uh, we we just set a date and we're like, OK, like January 3rd, uh, 2018 or something, 2019, we'll do a show. And he's like, OK, cool. And so uh, we did it. And then we've been doing it weekly ever since. And now he's like one of my really good friends. So, yeah, it was it was him. He just reached out because he like thought I was charismatic and would make a fun co-host. And now we're like hanging out. We, we've gone to Gen Con together and it's a lot of fun. So have you ever heard of any other partnerships starting that way? Or is that kind of a uh, unheard of in your, I guess your YouTube realm? Uh, I don't know, like not off the top of my head, but I know a lot of like when you get to a certain point, on YouTube or social media, and not that I am like popular. Like there are people who are ten times more popular than I am, but you'll you'll start seeing people who uh, like uh, I've been watching uh, Bob the World Builder, World Builder Bob. He's another YouTuber, and I just really like his videos. I'm like, I think you're doing really awesome, and I messaged him a couple days ago because uh, he's also a YouTuber. We're both doing D and D stuff. And it's just like, hey, I think your your channel's cool. You seem really cool. Uh, we should do. We should work on something together. Or, hey, I just want to say you're awesome, kind of a thing. Uh, so, as far as like long term partnerships, I don't know. I, me and Lucian might be like, and and Lucian does. I mean, he has a YouTube channel, but like, I don't think he he actively uploads to it or anything. So it strictly is like the for him, it's just the podcast. But. Uh, I don't know. It, I think it's cool, and I think you can meet a lot of cool people that way. So, cool. you just gotta reach out sometimes. Gotcha. Um, well, I'm gonna roll the dice for a question, and we'll see. And then that'll probably be it for the evening, if that works for you. Sure. So I rolled a sixteen, and uh, I guess this question is: What gives you inspiration? Oh man, uh, everything like. Uh, I recently got into Magic the Gathering because of, uh, the Forgotten Realms set, and I found myself going over and just kind of, like, pick picking up, like, four or five cards and laying them down and then making a D&D &D game out of that. Um, oh, cool. I will, I read a lot. Obviously, I read, like, D&D &D stuff, but I also read other things, and that really inspires me. Um, I read a lot of mythology uh and i watch a lot of other youtube videos and stuff like that so uh you'd be surprised i don't know we had a on the saturday morning D, &D show we had a whole segment called bardic inspiration which was just like what little thing 
like happen during the week that you're now like, oh my gosh, you could make a whole campaign out of this. Like this would be so cool to do that. Uh, so you just kind of have to stop and let yourself think sometimes, you know. But I, uh, I definitely would say like movies and books, um, comic books, all kinds of stuff. I just seem to get really excited when I read really good art and I want to like contribute and do something cool like that as well. So <laughs> is there something you've read recently um, that's really got you like fired up to do whatever? I mean, it could be something in your D and D games or in your personal life or side project or whatever. Yeah, I am reading these old zines and I say old, but they're only like three years old uh, called Wormskin. And uh, they're making, the people that wrote that are making a campaign setting, but they were releasing it kind of sporadically throughout these uh, these zines. They're like, you know, 20-page zines. And I think their goal eventually is to, like, we'll put all that information into a book. Uh, but it's the... The the whole campaign setting is called Dolmenwood, and it's made specifically for uh, old school essentials RPG, which is like the 1974 original uh, basic expert Dungeons and Dragons. They wanted to make it like as simple and back to roots as it possibly could. Uh, this campaign setting is amazing. It's like a big hex crawl with a forest. And I was reading... Uh, just last night about the the Droon. And the Droon are these, like, warlocks that are only male, and so you, you can't have female Droon, and that's part of, like, they're not the best people, and that's part of why, as they're very discriminatory. But they live in this forest, and they cause all of these problems and things like that. And so uh, the more I was reading about them, I'm like, you know, that's a great faction to have in my homebrew game, or a great faction to have here. Like, like, you don't need to run a Dolmenwood game to take that idea and put it into yours and tweak it however you want, you know? And so all of a sudden, maybe it's this, uh, the Droon are actually this cult that worships this devil in your game, but you can use a lot of that aspect of it. So that was, I don't know, that was the thing that inspired me a couple days ago, or yesterday, I guess. And I've been thinking about the Droon a whole bunch, so. Have you played Old School Essentials? Yeah, I ran, um, I ran one game and I played in a couple. Um, the game I ran, I actually recorded. And when I, I plan on making a video about old school essentials. And then when I do, I'm going to link it to the actual play that I did so that friends can watch uh, or not friends, but like people can watch and say, oh, this is how you play. Cause sometimes explaining an RPG is not as effective as like watching it being played out. Um, but it's fun. I like it. It's, it uh, it's not necessarily simpler, which is weird. Like I think we're so familiar with D and D five e at this point, um, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. And something that I like from it is that every class or race has a different uh, XP value. So. Rather than saying you all level up together, you actually are encouraged to give out experience points because you, the dwarf, you might go to level two at 800 experience, but the human goes to level two at 400 experience. So humans level faster than other races uh, or other classes 
And that's something I like because then you're just like, guys, we need to like fight one more thing so I can get to level two and have more hit points because right now, like you guys are fine, but I'm not fine. And just uh, that's an interesting dynamic. Whereas as nowadays, everyone's like, you're all you're all the same level. Everyone all the time. Like, I think it's more fun to be varied like that. So that's what I was going to ask, because I feel like um some of the YouTube channels I follow, people, I haven't played old school essentials or even read the book, but people really, some of the channels I follow, like like the asymmetry of some of these uh, these games. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what is it about having kind of uh, these, you know, uh, like these asymmetries that are more interesting than say like a, like a game where everybody kind of levels up at the same time. Is it, you know, I, I guess from your point of view, what what about it makes it so interesting? Uh, that that idea, like, uh, and D and D can do this too, uh, or fifth edition, I should say, can do this. But uh, if if we're all playing together, and then we they're like, "Whoa, you leveled up!" Like, I didn't level up. Why didn't I level up? Like, you're you are now doing something interesting that I didn't know you could do. And when fourth edition hits, it's I've gotten into a root or fourth edition when fifth edition, when you get to like level four, uh, it's like, OK, are you doing a feat? Are you doing standard ability score bonus? Uh, where you, like, I know exactly what you're going to get because we're very similar. Uh, that being said, there are points of fifth edition D&D where it's like, wait, you can do that now. And you're like, yeah, I can cast fifth level spells. It's super cool. Like, well, I can't cast fifth, fifth level spells, uh, but with OSE, Old School Essentials specifically, there's a greater focus on gold and magic items and things like that. And uh, in in 5th edition, magic items didn't don't really define your character as much as they would have in Old School Essentials. And so if I play a drow in Old School Essentials, I have, here are my drow abilities and I'm leveling up and I do all this other stuff, but like the magic items that I'm finding are giving me key abilities that um, if I ever play a drow again, I will not have those same kind of, uh, I won't have the same experience, I guess I should say. Uh, and I, I think that's fun. And it really encouraged players to make their own spells for one, if you're a wizard or a magic user. And it really encouraged players and dungeon masters to make custom magic items. So you're not waiting for the campaign to give you a magic item. You're specifically making something really amazing that your players will then take and run with. So, I I, I kind of wonder, like, for a game like Old School Essentials, is it some of the the fantasy that interests me is probably like more the, um, I guess more mundane, like her, like, like a Conan, where it's sort of not. Not every adventure is, you know, saving the world. So is that like a better game for that type of story? Whereas D and D, you know, if you want to save the world and become a godlike being, is that maybe better for that? For that, I'm just kind of wondering, as someone who's interested in picking up the books but haven't hasn't read them yet. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I feel like you could do either with either system, um, but. Old school essentials and even Dungeon Crawl classics, uh, it they're very much about dungeon delving. So it was mm -hmm. just like 
I'm poor. I'm an adventurer. I'm going to go and see what's in here. Or I, uh, there's a blight and we need to go figure out what it is. Oh, look, there's a, a lich crypt underneath the farmland that's causing the blight. We got to go take care of it. Um, and that's not, you know, that's, that's saving what's important to that character. Probably saving the farm is saving the world to that character kind of a thing. Uh, but yeah, fifth edition, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, by the time you're level 10 plus, you're challenging gods and stopping the whole apocalypse from happening kind of a thing. Uh, and I don't want to say you can't do that with old school essentials, but uh, you know, the max level for old school essentials and, and D and dungeon crawl classics is around 10, you know, some characters might go to 12, some characters stop at eight, but you're not, you're not the like amazing powerhouse that you are as a 20th level barbarian that can, barely take any damage and do crazy things so <laughs> gotcha um well that's probably it for all my questions this evening um i guess before i let you go do you want to kind of plug your stuff so people know where to find you yeah uh well thanks for having me on also uh but <laughs> i'm jordan with a silent ph uh you can find literally everything i do you can go to my website uh at www.jorphdan.com uh, but I'm on YouTube. If you search Jordan with a PH, you'll find me. Uh, if you like what I do and you listen to podcasts, because you probably do, if you listen to this podcast, you should check out the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Uh, that's on Spotify and Anchor and stuff like that. Uh, and that's uh, our weekly show. What? Listen from the beginning or don't. It's whatever. Uh, and then I do a lot of uh, other RPG stuff on my other third channel called Jordan's Jocular Junction, which is probably a little more difficult to find. So you should probably just head over to my website or or if you go to the YouTube channel, it's linked there as well uh, under channels I like. So and then um, before I let you go, maybe maybe you don't want to answer this, but I, I've never seen your name spelled that way before. I guess what's is that? Or real spelling of your name, or is that a like a play on words or something like that? Or I uh, it was uh, it was an inside joke with some friends of mine back in like two thousand eight and nine, and uh, I was trying to think of a, a handle that would stand out well on the internet. Uh, so no, I, I I'll be honest, it is not how I spell my name. But uh, okay. it's, it's I, I'm in too deep now to go out. I, I can't change it. So. <laughs> I was I was kind of like curious, but I was like, would it be offensive to ask? Is that something everybody always wants to know? A lot or? of people ask. I've I've told the story a couple times, but it's not really that exciting. It's just kind of it was an inside joke, and then I was like, oh, this. But I'll call the channel uh, Forgotten Realms Explained. But then later on, I was like, oh, I'm not really Forgotten Realms anymore. So then it kind of evolved into just being Jordan with a PH. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this is Jared from the Chat Dragon Podcast. Um, you can subscribe or don't. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I'm going to keep making the episodes either way. So uh, thank you. Thanks again, Jordan. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Awesome.